I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong, where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Good day, good people. What's up? And hey, all of that. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. And if you are new, you know what I'm like now. Welcome to YouTube, boom. So I am super excited to have with us today a Black woman who's a powerhouse. I'm not even kidding. She is Dr. Shariva White. She's an HBCU graduate. She's an entrepreneur. And I should say HBC, let me just get it right. The <laughs> North Carolina Agriculture and Technical State University. There we go. Yes, right. <laughs> Look, I mean, look, Shaw, Shaw, you, that's all you get. Right. It's a mouthful. <laughs> it, it is a whole mouthful. Like, I think that may be one of the longest names in history. Um, <laughs> like, of all, even over like Florida and like, like any fam, all of them, like y'all get to, but no, but you know, yes. love it that you hear though. So, so I'm very excited to talk to you. Dr. White, hello. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Eve. Man, that is so funny. I am really, really thrilled. Please, let's jump in. Tell the people who you are. They need to know about Dr. White because you legend out here. Oh my gosh. I really appreciate it. I think I'm a budding legend in my own little mind, but Yep, I'm Dr. Shariva White. Feel free to call me Shariva. I am a Charlotte, North Carolina native, born and raised. I did spend some time off on the West Coast for a little bit in Seattle, Washington, which I actually loved. Hmm. But I went to A&T for undergrad. I went to NC State in Raleigh, North Carolina for grad school. And then I graduated from Northeastern University in Boston, Massachusetts, where I received my EDD in higher education administration. And everything that I do is all about student success. Hmm. And so I am primarily interested in supporting first-gen, low-income historically underrepresented students of color in particular, but I love my students. Um, I love being on a college campus and I love trying to figure out ways how I can best support students, whether it's a student facing role, whether supporting administrators or faculty or whether it's doing research. I just want to support students in any way. So that's that's truly my passion. And it's what drives me each and every day. Love that. I'm just really curious, though. How did you end up in Washington? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not just so, a place to go. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So around the time when my husband and I were just finishing up grad school, he actually graduated from North Carolina Central's law school. Nice. And so we were looking into, he had a job opportunity in Raleigh or he had another job offer in Seattle. And we're both, you know, from North Carolina, a little small town kids just trying to make a life for ourselves and we're like you know what let's just live our life let's go away from family let's try to figure out this marriage on our own and Mm -hmm. we went to Seattle Washington and we really wanted to travel and you know go to Canada and go to Alaska and then life happens and babies came because we were bored and stuck in the house (laughs) (laughs) and so they kind of changed how long we decided to stay but 
we ended up going to Seattle because of my husband's job. And so I, I followed him to, to the Pacific Northwest. It's beautiful. If you have a chance to visit, please do. Don't let the weather scare you. It doesn't rain as much as people say. It's mostly overcast and kind of drizzly. And But the summers there are like the most beautiful summers I've ever seen with the mountain views mm-hmm. and the lakes. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that. And then, you know, at the beginning, I said, I'm here with a powerhouse. Not only do we have a black <laughs> woman doctor we have a black man lawyer and they married yes. come on now yes. we out here hbcu grads come on now that's right yeah that's right. like me and the same for me and the bay we're both hbcu grads both end up yes. getting phds in higher ed and we are both like yourself first gen folks who come from low-income backgrounds but we yes. here and so even with you and your husband i love meeting other couples you know like you all because it's the idea that if you dream it if you work for it you can figure it out but then to have that support because we moved back to North Carolina from Mississippi. I was down there because Charlotte native too. Mm-hmm. And I was down there for grad school. And so he ventured on up here with me. But it's like you following your husband. You know, my husband supported me in coming back here. But y'all in this together. Now, That's you didn't right. make it to Alaska and Canada. <laughs> because, <laughs> but, you know, but the thing is that y'all are, y'all are dreamers and y'all are go-getters. And that's so important for us, especially as you know, young black couples who are first gen and educated to be able to not fear what's out there and just go get it. So shout out to y'all for that. I love that. Yes, I definitely agree. We ended up going to Canada after the kids were born. So I do want to say we we made it to Vancouver. (laughs) Yeah, I had a baby in the front and one in the stroller. So we're like, we're going to get to Canada. God, I love that. How was that for yeah. you? Because you, you ain't tell us that to me. I said, like, dang, so Washington, Vancouver, then back to North Carolina? Right. So with Vancouver, it was just like a, a week trip where we just wanted to go up. Okay. We found out we were went back to North Carolina. We said, okay, we wanted to do some of the stuff on our little bucket list so we can at least take a little trip to Canada. So we did a train ride so we could see like the coastline and it was, it was beautiful. I mean, of course, my mm. kids don't remember it, but we have plenty of pictures that we can share with them. They were so little, but it was fun. It was really nice. I love that. Okay, look, I thought y'all had moved there, but either way, you still got to Canada. Yes. So that's cool. I love it. I love it, though. But that's really, really cool. So just thinking about just where you are now, what is success for you? And we're going to talk about just entrepreneurship and, you know, all the all the things. But thinking about success for you, how do you define success? Like, what is it to you? And what are things you doing to continue to work toward being successful? Yeah, I honestly think that changes. So Hmm. when I first graduated, success for me was to get a job. I mean, as a first-gen student growing up low income, that was something that my parents always pushed. Get a job, and my dad wanted me to at least make more money than he did. And he didn't make a lot of money, so his goal was for me to at least make, you know, $40,000 a year starting out. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, that's what I have to do. I have to find a job. And so at one point, success was just to try to find a job that made Mm -hmm. more than what my dad made in order to make ends meet in my household. And so when I got to Seattle and I had plenty of job interviews, a lot of people turned me down. And then they would call me back like two, three weeks later, said our first candidate decided, you know, that they wanted to go somewhere else. Would you want Mm -hmm. this opportunity still on the table? And so then I started looking at my own value and it had me questioning myself like, okay, do I want to take this job where they saw me as second choice or do I want to go out and figure out what does this life mean absence of that work? And that was really challenging for me because, of course, you know, you feel like as especially a young female, 
you want to show your worth through your job or through a title in a in a business. And at that point, that was when I was really focused on student affairs and higher education. So that was the epitome of success for me to get a good job with a good title and to show my worth and my knowledge in that area. But as I got older, as kids came into the picture, I realized that success is a lot more than just a job title. And it's really about living life according to your values and what you really want to do and what you want to aspire to be. And so that's when I kind of circled back around to thinking about what do I want to do? And if I can't get a job in higher ed, then how am I still going to be successful? How do I define myself in this life with this strong Black man <laughs> beside me? And I felt like I didn't have any value besides rearing children and cooking. And I was like, okay, that's not what I want to do. <laughs> mm. So I ended up figuring out, like, I wanted to go back to school. I wanted to get my doctorate degree so then I could create and define what that success looks like for me. Hmm. And now within the last you know three or four years I have realized that success is really your own worth and what you can add to the world by helping others so that's defining success for me how can I help somebody else because I don't feel like I have a purpose in life if I'm not you know reaching back and pulling someone up in order to become the best person that they can become so to me that's what success is helping other people regardless of how you you know figure that out in your lane I felt that I'm with that and so I'm pretty sure that led to your entrepreneurial endeavor right mm -hmm. I'm telling you a bit more about it yeah. So before I you know, became an entrepreneur, I was at a small private institution in North Carolina, Queens University. And so from there, I was brought onto their programs through a Title III Strengthening Institutions grant, which was designed to support historically underrepresented students. And so prior to that, the position never existed. So I was building a support program from scratch. This mm. is, you know, with my master's, I was still in my doctoral program doing research on, you know, supporting students. And so this was really my, my beginning to figuring out what I really wanted to do with purpose in life. And so in that role, I designed the Summer Bridge program. I designed uh, peer mentor programs. I was in charge of supplemental instruction. Mm -hmm. I was also in charge of the campus retention management software system, where I was the central coordinator in that. And so through all of that work, I really saw that there was so much value in the area of student support. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved it. But I felt like I had parameters around the ways that I could support the students, the way that I saw was needed, as well as according to research. And so sometimes when we get in, in roles, we do have red tape. We do have areas of resources where it may be underfunded. So we might have these support programs, but we might not have enough resources to really support our students in the best way that may be suitable for them, especially after doing like focus groups and stuff like that, hmm. trying to figure out what is the student student's voice? What do the students need? How can I best support them? And I realized that despite all of these resources, there were still little that I had control over in best supporting the students that they really 
needed the support. Hmm. So from there, you know, life happens. My, you know, my mother got sick. And so I was finding myself going back and forth to work, trying to take her, you know, to get help and support and doctor's appointments. So I eventually resigned from my my role there, Hmm. took care of my mother, which really helped her become a lot more healthy. And then I said, okay, well now like goes back to your first question, how do you define success? So I I was in this role, the epitome of my career, designing all of these programs of support. I was helping people. That's what I really felt like success was. And here I am again, (laughs) not having a job back into like this, this role of caretaker. So then I just went back and I just focused on my program. At this point, I was in school for almost five years without, you know, having my doctorate. I was ABD for almost four years. And so I was like, okay, let me focus on this degree. Let me just take the time out to get it. And once I finished, I think the doors just opened up from me trying to figure out what was my next place of success and how can I help students in that in that wheelhouse by not being on a college campus. And then that's how the entrepreneurial growth happened. And I started Higher Ed Ventures, which is a research training and coaching firm designed to support historically underrepresented student success, especially from the high school to college transition. And, mm-hmm. and that's how it was born, just through life happening and me still feeling a void. And then I, I kind of just went out on my own and started something that I was passionate about. Mm. I'm excited to hear that that you paid attention to the signs as well mm-hmm. and that you were willing to say this is what's working, this is what's not working, but even to have the belief in yourself to step into an entrepreneurial space and to be like, I'm here. <laughs> I got right. this. Because <laughs> that's, you know, really, really important because I mean, we are, we as Black women are the fastest growing group of individuals in the country to go into entrepreneurship. But yes. then the flip side, Black businesses are also the fastest declining. I know that, mm-hmm. you know, with everything happening with, you know, the home Rona the past year that yes. it's really hit black businesses the hardest but I say that to even see a vision and to do it anyway is really bold so shout out to you for that so really curious to know though what has been the most challenging thing for you you know stepping into this entrepreneurial lane yeah I think the most challenging thing for me was not having any connections mm-hmm. I didn't have any resources I didn't have any guidance I really didn't have any knowledge as far as you know how do I you know get clients how do I keep clients how do I make money because now I have a business but I'm still broke <laughs> you know it's, I'm like okay so this is fun but okay I want to make some money I want to be profitable <laughs> right and, right and, and in that lane I still want to help people. I didn't start this to just have, you know, an LLC and be happy with that. And so what I started doing was I'm a firm believer in my passion planner. It's it's a planner that has like, you know, what are your goals? And it helps you create like mind maps and, you know, really work hard towards achieving what you want to achieve. So I, I, I love my passion planner. And so I just started writing my passion planner and I wrote down my goals into like, I think it was three months, uh, six months, and then like a year. And then it also has like an area of, you know, in your lifetime, what would you want to accomplish? And so I really started utilizing that to streamline, you know, how am I going to be successful in this business? So the challenge was not having clients. 
So I wrote on my passion plan, I want at least one client, you know, Hmm. by the end of 2019, just one person. I just want one person to work with. And so from there, I got onto networking sites, especially as alumni. I think that's one thing that first gen students can really tap into is utilizing their alumni network. And so as a a recent graduate from Northeastern University, I had just attained my uh, doctorate in 2018. And so I tapped into that alumni network in Northeastern and I saw that they had a program scheduled where you can attend like, you know, women in business, you know, networking events and those types of things. And so I went to one and my goal was to at least, you know, network with five people and hopefully one of those five people could become a potential client. Hmm. And it did. It it worked. And so I was talking to the individual. She was actually nominated. She I think she received the woman of the year in our local magazine, Pride Magazine. Her name is Dr. Corliss Brown Thompson. And I started working with her. I asked if she could be my mentor. I didn't know if this was going to become, you know, a working business relationship. But she, you know, called me the next day and said, hey, you know, I was really inspired by, you know, our conversation. And I know that you mentioned that you are, you know, a recent graduate from Northeastern. I understand that you want to do more research and potentially you know, get published because of course, you know, once you get your doctorate, it's like, okay, let's publish, let's mm-hmm. write, let's get into peer-reviewed journals. And so she brought me on to a project which led to other projects, which led to me working on data collection and analysis for experiential, you know, STEM-based programs. And we're still working together on that team. And mm-hmm. I think that is what solidified my credibility. But then it also solidified my knowledge within myself that, you know, I can do this entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. thing by myself, you know? And so by really forming a strong support system through a networking event, it's kind of what jump-started my career in this entrepreneurial research space. And like, you know, and it's it's new. It's something that's needed. Um, I was on a team with all white women, Hmm. All affluent women all, you know, have, you know, college backgrounds. And so we're researching the impact of a STEM program on female African-American students. And so in that space, there were things that came out of the focus groups where, you know, some of my research team members didn't understand some of the context. I think one of the students said, like, no cap or something like that. You know, that's like a language you guys would use. And so they were like, well, we need the resources. I don't know what they're talking about, these hats and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, like, let's have this conversation, you know. And so in that space, I realized, like, hey, you know, my my voice matters. My black face matters. My first gen status matters. Mm. And in this research space, and that's something that I never thought about. Mm. And as much as I tried to run away from research and the writing, and I want to do the workshops and the fun stuff and help students, but there's so much support that we need to be doing on the back end to support students with the research and the reporting of the data that it's going to help our students on a larger national worldwide spectrum. Yes, and yes. I feel like that's something that I can do. And I'm I'm like, I'm kind of nervous because I'm like, this is kind of big. Like, I'm just one little person. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, hey, if this is needed, let me go after it. And who knows how big, mm. you know, my company can grow. I can probably start hiring other consultants to work with me to do some of this research. Mm. And so... 
it is so needed and I'm excited to be here. I'm still nervous. I know we talk about imposter syndrome all the time. I feel like I'm my own imposter as the president of my own business. (laughs) (laughs) But I know I can do it, you know, and so because I am doing it, I'm living in my dream. And so I have Mm. to tell myself that like I have arrived. I'm in my space. You can do it. So go help people. Go get it. Talk that talk, Dr. White. Talk that talk. Positive Mm. (laughs) self-affirmations. Okay, so one, you know, for for you who's listening, go ahead and hit rewind, get the notepad, and take all the notes because she just dropped hella gems. I'm just going to put it. (laughs) How you able to connect, how you able to get your business off the ground. I appreciate the truth that, you know, you start a business, you ain't making money. Well, wait a minute. (laughs) This don't seem right. Maybe I should go back to the nine to five. But people think overnight success is like, I'm going to start this business in January. And by February, you're going to be rocking. Like, nah, G, you might start February 2021 and may not see anything until February 2023. That's exactly right. That's the overnight process. And like, there are a lot of people who we look up and like, dang, they blew up what happened. They were consistent, but they've been in the game for a while. So... You saying all of that, I felt that. I really felt that. That's exactly right. Just the fear, the not having the connections. And that's, you know, that's the reason this platform exists at all. And just so similar to yourself. Who am I to step into this space? What if it blows up? What if it becomes something? And here I am now. I've got students in my program across the world. People are listening to this show across the world. Like, oh my goodness, that happened. And it's like, well, dang, similar to you. Here I am. Though for me, I did not imagine being here because entrepreneurship was never something I was after. But we talk about that another day. (laughs) But still, (laughs) the fact that it ended up working out for me and then to now have just this thing like to change even my business name to Evangeline Worldwide because it's like stop being afraid of the lives you can change and the people you can touch. You will figure it out. You will find the resources. You have the critical thinking capacity. You have the support that you need. Don't ever doubt that. But you have within you, just like you're saying, Dr. White, you have within you what you need to go out there and get it. But you can't be afraid of yourself. Man, Amen. I love listen, that. I you, love you that. You dropped the bombs on us. You dropped them on us today because here you are not, you know, imposter syndrome is there, but you like, and so what? I can yeah. hire consultants. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this. I can do that. I'm like, yes, to hear that. And then some of what you said leads me to a question I thought about before getting in line with you. And I, I do want to ask you, mm-hmm. you know, you talked about being this black woman with the no cap. <laughs> and yeah. they, you know, the fact that, yeah, a lot of times when I think about therapy, I love having a black therapist because I can yes. say stuff to her similarly and she's not like, what? Exactly. It changes the game. But how does being a black woman, though, like, what does that mean to you? Let's start with that. What does it mean to you to, to be a black woman? And how was that, you know, influencing how you're even showing up for other Black women? Wow. I love that. Mm. Being a Black woman is so empowering. I would not change this for the world. The Mm. struggle, the gifts, the challenges, the blessings, the resilience. I I have a daughter. So, I mean, just the love, the beauty and just being me. Mm. I mean, I didn't realize this until... I don't know. I'm in my 30s and I feel like I'm just now getting to that space. And it's crazy to say that. Like I went through all of my interviews from, you know, high school up to even like my my doctoral program where I was straightening my hair and flat ironing because I felt like I had to look a certain way or become a certain way or be a certain way. I'm from the South. I I sound like a Southerner. So trying to 
properly enunciate my words and all of this stuff that I was just trying to change about myself. And I'm like, you know what? This is who I am. This is my story. This is my positionality. And there's power in that. And so once I realized that, I think I really stepped into into my truth. And so I, I wear my crown of, you know, big curls and I, you know, speak in my own African-American dialect from the South. And it's OK. Yes. And that does not diminish yes. my knowledge. It does not diminish yes. my education. It does not diminish my background and my Southern culture and my heritage because it's yes. all a part of me. And it's, it's what makes me such a proud Black woman daughter mm-hmm. mother sister friend it, it it's it's all in me and i'm so proud mm, I'm, I'm so proud look you got me yes <laughs> yes ma'am yes ma'am like i've just and, and don't feel bad you know about the just discovering it i just yes did a show back in february and it was about just black women being dope and for mm-hmm. me, it's this content realization that, you know, when I was doing some stats for my business, 98% of the people who had hired me in as a speaker or had joined any of my programs were black women. It just mm-hmm. didn't dawn on me. Like for me, you know, showing up and doing this first gen work was about helping first gens. But right. naturally, you know, people like yourself, you know, if I see you, I'm seeing somebody who looks like me. So it was a natural gravitation, I'm sure, for a number of people. And then being black, having gone to an HBCU, I can see how it happened, you know, with the reach. And I was just like, well, dang, I just didn't notice because I was showing up being a person, being me. But this black womanness, it hits. And mm-hmm. like, we dope. And I say that, you know, not even fearing now, oh gosh, you know, other people won't support. Right. Women are dope, but who am I'm a black woman. I understand no cap. I understand tripping. <laughs> I understand not today. Uh-uh. Like there are things exactly. that, you know, we get to where it's like if you said it somebody, it's just it's a, it's a thing about it. But black women show up. We show up for each other and we show up for ourselves, but we also show out. And so that's yes. something that like I'm love I'm loving that you're saying it because of how you are framing how you show up as a mom and a wife and a you know and a daughter, just all the things, how you're continuing to shape what black womanhood looks like, but also in a way that, you know, I, I continue to talk about not something that people look at on TV and like we're bickering, we're fighting, we're yes. petty, we're catty, we're ghetto. Don't get me wrong, hood is still in me because I'm hidden valley. That's right. <laughs> HB, all right. Oh, okay, okay, look, we out here. So you get it. You get yes. it. So like for me, it's just a space where, you know, but but I'm here and, I, you know, and you're here and we have to be here for each other. But again, we're going to have to have you back to talk about Black womanhood and just, I would you know, love to. entrepreneurship and stuff because it's really important to have the conversations so that we can keep each other encouraged. But look, I, I'm always sad. I always say this every show, but I am because we can talk all day. Yes, I, I have know. really enjoyed this. Oh my goodness, so have I. So have I. I really, I really, really like for real. I really have. Like I'm just like, oh, you talking to me? You <laughs> talking to me? But you know that's how the Queen City girls do anyway. So like, okay. Yes. <laughs> but no, but I please. love it. But tell us before you go, what is your your words of wisdom or your advice? You know, just what do you want to leave us with to carry with us for the rest of our lives? Absolutely. So one of my words of wisdom that I would like to leave with you is. Something that my dad always told me, never be afraid to ask a question and go after what you want because all the other person could respond is yes or no. Hmm. So you have a 50-50 chance of getting what you want. And if you don't get it, there's always somebody else out there who's going to give you that other 50% 
as a yes. And so if you're ever questioning, you know, your purpose, your passion, you know, whether you get into a college or not, whether you get a, an acceptance or a denial letter, that does not mean that that's not for you. It's just not for you at that time. And so you can always circle back around and continue to achieve your dreams. Never be afraid to ask the question and go after for what you want because it's out there and it's for you to have. Mm. Well, drop the mic, walk off. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, look again, Dr. White, you are incredible. No doubt about it. And like I, I be telling the people, Who's coming to this space? We out here, but it's yes. good to know we are out here because ain't but so many of us anyway, but we have to show up for each other. But again, I just want to thank you for your work. Thank you for your wisdom. You know, just thank you for showing up for yourself so you can show up everybody else and then we can show up everybody else too. It just it's a it's a domino effect. For those of you who definitely want to connect to Dr. White, just hit the link in the episode notes to get to the full show notes and you will see exactly how to contact her. Try to make it real easy for you, you know, and just hear more of her story and make sure you're also getting, you know, some of the things that you may not have been able to catch. If you drive in the car and get to write it down, we got the notes for you already. But all right, look, until the next time, Dr. White, continue to be good to yourself. Continue to shine as only you can do and know that we here at the First Gen Lounge, we got your back, sis. Thanks, Dr. Eve.